a platform like TikTok or Instagram is driving a lot of music discovery. You can't just tell people that you've got music out. You have to kind of show them who you are and what the story is behind it and why they should why they should care. People are, are always talking about the one idea they had that say like quote unquote broke an artist. Um, no one's ever really talking about the hundred things they tried that didn't work. A few artists that I've I've kind of seen sort of who have kind of built a fan base on TikTok in particular, they tend to have I'm joined today by Joe Edwards, who is a Senior Director of Marketing at AWOL. Joe, how are you? I'm good, thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's really good to see you. Um, so if people aren't familiar, tell us a bit more about who you are and what you do. Yeah, sure. So, um, yeah, so we well, already said my name, so that's okay. Um, but yeah, I'm a Senior Marketing Director at AWOL. Uh, what that kind of means is, or at least how I see my job is, in the marketing team, is that we focus very much on enabling and enhancing the visions of our artists, I guess. Um, at AWOL, we are, well, were lucky enough to work with artists like Little Surgeon, Slave Age, Jungle, Subtract, Nick Cave, Bombay Bicycle Club, Joseph, uh, lots of my, and uh, my job essentially is working with those artists and those managers on different aspects of the campaign. So. That varies from like the marketing strategy to kind of like the timeline, sort of selecting singles, commissioning videos, all that kind of stuff. Um, working with promo teams on how that kind of rolls out at press and radio, uh, the digital marketing, um, into like paid spend, but also kind of content creation as well. That's something I'm quite involved in. Um, what we call audience development, which is another part of the digital side. Uh, and yeah, also kind of occasionally uh, sticking my oar in with the manufacturing, uh, like CD vinyl, etc., and yeah, essentially sort of whatever the project needs in a way. Um, it's a, it's quite a varied job. Uh, I'm sure I'm really lucky about it. Yeah. Um. How did you get into that line of work in the first place? Uh that's a good question. Um. So a long time ago, I was in a band. Um. Just after uni. Uh. And we were. I would say successful, but we did some, we did some touring and stuff. Uh, that kind of came to a natural end, as these things often do. Um, in fact, yeah, most people I've met in in the industry are either like super fans, and that's how I got in, or they've had some kind of side hustle or also a passion project, but they've kind of like then transferred into 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 the industry itself. Um, but yeah, I finished that. I had the studio at the time that I had sort of learned a fair bit, and I had some transferable skills. Um, I was lucky enough to get an internship uh, at an independent record label called Because. Um, it quickly became apparent that I ha I didn't know anything at all. So um, they were lucky. Yeah, I was lucky enough that they uh, they explained a lot to me. Um, from that, I moved into uh, a company called PS, uh, where I was in, in the international team for a couple of years. Um, I really enjoyed international, but me personally, I it turns out I'm a bit of a control freak. So when the opportunity came up to move over to the UK side of things and kind of run campaigns myself, I, I sort of jumped at that. Um, and yeah, I started at AWOL about seven years ago, so I've been in quite a while now. I'm still really enjoying it. Yeah. So you said seven years at AWOL. What do you yeah. think your proudest achievement so far? That's probably a big question, but that's difficult. I guess the one that the one that springs to mind, I suppose, is uh, I work with a, a rock band called Yumi at Six. Uh, I've done three records with them. Uh, and on the second one we did, which was their seventh album, uh, Sucker Punch, uh, we were lucky enough to get a number one record with that one. Um, and that was really, uh, really gratifying. It wasn't necessarily something that we thought was possible, kind of going straight into it. Um, 
and particularly because it was during the pandemic. Uh, but yeah, we kind of got there and it was just, um, it was just a really good feeling. Really, It was actually one of those things where you can kind of explain to your friends and family outside of music, like, this is something I've done that you'll actually understand. Um, cause I found it at Christmas. So if, if I talk about like the number of Spotify monthly listeners that one of my artists has, that's not as compelling. Yeah. Um, so actually having like a thing, like a point to is really mm. good, but equally like, I think, you know, uh, I work on an, an artist called Barbing Tiger, a uh, South Korean alternative uh, K-pop hip hop collective. Um, they just sold that village underground, and it was just really wonderful to see like in a, a full room who knew like all the words and were really sort of excited to be there. That kind of like that kind of moment happens, fortunately, relatively regularly. So yeah, that definitely keeps it keeps it fresh. I suppose like we enjoy those kinds of moments too. Yeah. So today we're going to speak mostly about content strategy as something that you work mm-hmm. quite a lot. So just for anyone who isn't like quite familiar, hasn't done this kind of thing before, can you provide like a brief overview of what a content strategy really entails in the context of like... Yeah, sure. Yeah, of course. Um, So pull it back a bit. When we first sit down with an artist, one of the things we're kind of trying to establish and work with them on is uh, what we would call the artist proposition, which essentially is sort of what, what makes that artist unique? Who are they? What are they trying to communicate? Who are they trying to communicate it to? Um, and as part of that, you have we have this idea of story pillars, um, which will be sort of it's kind of like the the elevated pitch for an artist, I suppose. But um, to use, uh, I'm trying to think of an example. Um, let's stick with Bombay, I guess. So with them, like we were sort of looking at the the story pillars for them, and there was a big one where when you start um, when you start speaking to sort of current Bombay fans, like, and I found this mentioning to friends when I when I've said I'd started working with them people always say like oh I really love that band I saw them at this festival or I saw them live with my friends at this point um and it became very very apparent very quickly with them that this kind of like live communal experience not necessarily like obviously the band are fantastic live and that's a big part of it but it's also the communal experience of the crowd and bands and friends being together there's this real sense of community so let's say that's a story pillar so what we try and do sort of across the campaign and the content is kind of how do we how do we reflect that in in kind of the story that we're trying to tell? Because you can't just say, you can't just kind of like do an Instagram post that says, hello, we're Bombay Bicycle Club. You like us because you enjoy seeing us live. You have to kind of like show people rather than telling them, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, we were looking at different ways we could kind of translate that into content. So to ask your original question, I guess the sort of creative strategy, the content strategy is about sort of finding sort of sto- ways to tell the band's story uh, or an artist's story uh, in a way that's kind of engaging and obviously uh, given the number of platforms that there are now kind of suits different different verticals like that. yeah that's, that's a great answer you've answered like three more of my questions all in one <laughs> it'd be a short one then. yeah so I, I'm interested to find out sort of when, you, when you're working with artists to sort of develop that plan how much of it sort of comes from them and how much comes from <clears throat> you or like Abel's side of things um that's a really good question. I think it can really vary. You'll get some, yeah. like some artists, uh, and this applies to any any sort of any record label or any artist service company, I would say. It's not necessarily an AOL thing. Um, but yeah, my experience everywhere I've worked has been that some artists turn up and they they have a really clear vision of who they are and what they're, what they're trying to say. Um, and it's just a case of kind of uh, sculpting it a little bit so it's very easily communicated communicable I suppose whether that's a press release or in the content or whatever whereas some artists are kind of like well look I've written I've written all this music what more do you want from me um and that's a really valid approach as well like I think it's important to kind of acknowledge that you know so you know artists can be utterly fantastic that doesn't mean they have to be utterly fantastic in every aspect of the creative process um so yeah 
it, I guess the short version is it really varies from artist to artist in terms of like how we um, how we kind of work that out. And when it kind of comes to my side, we you know we use a bunch of like different tools like uh, like Charmetric, uh, Trendpop, places like that to kind of sort of look at sort of an artist audiences to work out what specifically that they connect with. Um, but equally something I find really useful to do is if you're working with an artist who's say relatively established or has worked with other has already released music then and like the YouTube comments and their videos are actually really really useful in terms of just like what people are connecting with and it's sometimes it's really basic stuff like they look fantastic or their videos are really interesting or sometimes you know you'll get an artist where the narrative is there's no one else that sounds like this or this sound is really really ahead of its time and it's really useful to kind of see that real time kind of feedback on what what people are excited about. Mm. So you, obviously you had YouTube comments being a big one, but I did want to ask what sort of what other metrics do you find most useful when measuring success with content? Because I think it can be, I think people can get sucked into things like views or likes or various things. But what do you really look at for to measure how well something's going? Um, I think because we're trying to. So when you're trying to when you're trying to put out when you're putting out content for artists when you're developing when you're developing things you're really focused on this story and you're trying to build a world so if someone does see like one piece of content when they go back to the the artist profile let's say on TikTok or Instagram it's kind of clear of who they are from like scrolling through their feed or through their profile so we're not I don't feel that I'm necessarily looking to create a piece of content that might go viral every time it's more about that storytelling thing um, and rather than it can be like I've had artists, sort of particularly sort of um, like younger developing artists who who become very very fixated on on the views, particularly on TikTok, and that can be quite challenging, quite tough. And I think, um, yeah, and they sort of go through phases of being a little bit demotivated, maybe if they haven't had like a, a sort of a, a massive spike in views on a on a piece of content for a couple of weeks or whatever. And I, yeah, and I think that's something that we're trying to sort of educate artists with, I suppose, because what we're really looking more at is. Um, like likes and comments are obviously a good metric on platform, um, as well as like follower growth. Because really, like you don't just want someone to to see something once and think that was that was good, but I'll just keep scrolling whatever you want them to really engage. So I'd say follower growth is a is a big one for us, um, and also kind of like whether we're seeing that translate into um, into actual listeners. So whether we're seeing that like if we are having like say a spike in views or we're having this content that gets loads of likes and loads of engagement, is that actually having an impact on the the music on music consumption which obviously is the, the whole point yeah um i was about to say it's sort of click-through rate something that you look look at as well in terms of sort of yeah more so on the digital marketing side of things um sort of yeah if you're talking about sort of running digital ads and it's worth saying that occasionally we'll have if there's a piece of content that is doing really well we, we will put additional money behind that to make sure that it's reaching a wider audience because we think it's effective and that means that we will kind of be adding in links as well um, and yeah, looking at the click-through rate on that is an important one. It's it's a difficult one because when you when you're running ads, the cheapest way to run them is often actually going for views. Um, so you're kind of running them for views, but you're trying to optimize in the back end for like what is affecting actual clicks. Um, because if you run the way that uh, a lot of platforms will run ads, if you're going specifically for clicks, is that they'll it narrows down the audience significantly and you end up just focusing on like existing fans, I suppose. Um, we have this idea of like the marketing funnel, I guess, which is like you kind of, you want people to sort of see a sort of piece of content up here and then kind of slowly you, ser you serve them like additional pieces of content. And as you go down the funnel, they get more and more engaged. 
So you're not necessarily looking for someone to like click on something straight away when they see the first one in phase one. It's more like when you get to phase four and you're like, okay, now we're confident that you're an actual fan and you probably will commit to doing something more. And that's when you're like, press this button, buy something, listen to it. Yeah. But um, we're going to delve into the specifics of a campaign that you worked on recently for okay. Bombay Bicycle Club's new album, My Big Day, which recently hit number three in the charts, which is an amazing achievement, by the way. So, it did, yeah. Thanks. Um, so how did you develop a content strategy that worked for you at Able and the band themselves? Um, that's a good, yeah, I, I don't want to speak to you. I don't want to speak too much on the band's behalf, I suppose, or on Able's behalf for that matter. But um, my experience, uh, or at least sort of what, I learned from them is so the album before came out in early 2020 um and so very quickly that kind of campaign came to a halt um and I think my perspective at least was that the band was just very very excited to be back together after that kind of like forced I know they had hiatus before the album but there was also this kind of forced break in their career whilst the pandemic was happening and I think the kind of overall message behind my big day was really just how excited they were to be together, to be a band and to be creating music. Um, and there's a real sense of excitement and fun that kind of runs through both the album and the content that we wound up creating. I think it was sort of about taking the, these four, these four guys and kind of ensuring that their sort of personalities really came through and, that, um, and that, yeah, that they were kind of like, it was evident they were having a good time and that was something they wanted their audience to join in on. I think that was a, a big part of it. Yeah, so um, one regular piece of content that the band put out and have for a while is their acoustic video series of Sunday Sessions. Uh, why do you think these are so popular with the band's audience? I think it goes back to the, the sort of reference I gave earlier. I think experiencing the band live is a big part of what they do. Obviously, I know acoustic session in, in Jack's bedroom, wherever he might be, isn't necessarily live. But I think people really respect Bomber Basket Club for their, for their musicianship um and so yeah the fact that they are kind of like i, I don't want to say proper musicians or instruments because that's a bit of a cliche but they are sort of like they are sort of just very very ta- very like naturally talented and it feels very it feels very relaxed um and yeah i think it's a i think it's sort of down to that really yeah so um the one thing that i really like about the sunday sessions is obviously just it's very easy to be very consistent with it because it's just a mm. simple video it's obviously it, it looks nice it sounds good but the production isn't going to be too expensive or anything how important yeah. is, have you found consistency to be with that kind of content marketing um yeah it's, it's it's really it's really important um you know we sort of we hear advice from different services like oh you've got to put out sort of three to four posts per week to kind of keep keep an audience engaged um whether that's true or not it's kind of out of the debate i think it does really vary on what kind of content it is and who, who the artist is um but i think the last thing that I would want Bombay or any other artist to do is to kind of be sat sort of, let's say on Sunday morning going, oh, I have to post something in two hours time. What What is that going to be kind of thing? Do you know what I mean? Like, I think it does, the importance for me is about the planning um, and not necessarily doing everything kind of off the cuff when you think you need to put something out because it's been a while, but sort of taking the time to actually, to put in like actual full days where you might, um, film like a bunch of different pieces of content that will then see you through the next couple of weeks um that's something we definitely do with a lot of artists including bombay they've done about we've done a bunch of content shoots with them over the campaign that we then kind of rolled out in subsequent weeks yeah is, is that so yeah you said that was something quite common sort of bulk shooting content for a band or an artist and then that can sort of work over a period of time yeah i think that's really useful because i think it can often be a bit 
AJ can be a bit overwhelming to sort of have to be like, oh, I've got to film another video. Oh, I've got to film another video and do it on a one-by-one -one basis. Whereas I think if you can dedicate, I don't know, one day a month and film, I don't know, 20 videos, it's a lot easier than filming 20 videos on 20 separate days. Especially when you think about having, say, if you're using a camera or something, setting everything up and setting everything back down. Mm -hmm. That can be, a, that's a really useful tip. Actually. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Um, we also, yeah, we're all, uh, See, Bombay were very good at this actually, because um, we've really been encouraging artists, or I've been really encouraging artists to to kind of make the most of what they are doing as well. So if you're if you're filming a video, don't just film the video, but film like the behind the scenes stuff while you're there. Mm -hmm. Like if you're kind of if you're sort of dressed in a person in a certain way, or if you've kind of done like glam and makeup or whatever, like make sure you also maybe do an acoustic version of the track while you're on set. Just kind of making sure that you're when you are doing stuff that you're kind of making the most of it in terms of content so it can see you through like not just um not just the kind of like release of say a track or a video but the subsequent weeks mm. how how important do you think it is for artists to utilize trends on platforms like tiktoks and reels Maybe a bit of a big question no it's a good, it's a good question um i think it's definitely part of the overall strategy it's sort of it's about finding the right ones, I suppose. Like, as I said, you're kind of like, because we're coming at this having sort of established like what we want the artist world to be and kind of what we want them to engage with. Like, you very quickly, it very quickly, because you've got that kind of like measuring stick or whatever, uh, it becomes very easy to kind of work out what would and wouldn't feel authentic, I suppose. And the last thing you want is, say, to have like a sort of a, like a very, um, I don't know, uh, I'm trying to think of a polite example, but like, yeah, the last thing you want to do is have like a kind of a band do something that just seems massively outside of their lane. Um, and it's just so that, because that way it feels obviously like they're just kind of doing something because someone like me has asked them to, because we need to get the views up or whatever. Um, and I think, yeah, I think that's the thing I would avoid. But if it's sort of, if it's something that feels very natural, then I think it's, yeah, I think it's an important part of a, an overall strategy. Yeah, I think it's really important to sort of, you can use trends and that's fine, but you sort of have to balance it with something that's authentic and that feels like, yeah what you would do as an artist if it wasn't trending if, if it feels like something that this band or this person would never do in a million years if it hadn't been getting loads of views then i think it's probably not something that you want to be doing i think yeah, it's how Bobo bicycle club have done have sort of done that with utilizing trends while staying authentic with the uh the red mccall character who if you aren't familiar <laughs> um one of the bandmates with a big red wig who forces the other bandmates to uh to make videos following tiktok trends like doing sped up versions or slowed down versions of songs um first of all are you the real red mccall this is something i've been like um so red mccall was played by jamie in the band um i i think i think he's probably based on every marketing manager they've ever had um but also every cliche in a marketing manager they ever had um where there's a bit of me in that or or not i don't yeah. know um i i know i didn't honestly i was quite surprised when they did um acknowledge the sped up version thing um it was an interesting one one for us uh yeah and it's sort of because they were relatively new to tiktok the way in which they sort of very quickly became they quickly understood the platform i suppose and became aware of how it works was, was really impressive um and it was definitely something they considered doing i think we did in the end finally enough do a slowed down version for the track diving um but again i that was something that kind of came from the band because they wanted to try it, I think, which was quite interesting. Yeah. Do you think, 
do you think that sort of that self-awareness side of it where they can sort of it's sort of like a wink to the audience where you're sort of saying oh we're being forced to do this sped up version so here's the sped up version that you can now use um do you think that kind of self-awareness kind of helps artists do some do sort of trends that can feel quite marketing-y which there's sort of an idea that marketing almost feels inauthentic to some artists, which I wouldn't mm. agree with, but I can sort of definitely see that's the artists, some artists definitely feel that way. So do you think it sort of, yeah, do you think that self-awareness helps them do it in a more authentic way? I d- definitely, yeah. I think um, a really good example that I, I, I worked on previously, there's a, a, a Swedish punk band called Viagra Boys, and they came up with this idea of a company called Trib Tech. Um, and so whenever they wanted to announce anything that involved like a tour or someone having to buy something, whatever, they would always, um, they always always refer to it as, uh, like a shrimp tech opportunity or something that shrimp tech was selling. And that way they kind of like, because they were a sort of a punk band and they're kind of in that kind of scene, but yeah, I think selling out was maybe still a kind of a floating concern for them. Uh, it enabled them to kind of do all that kind of cynical marketing stuff, but sort of at arm's reach. And I think kind of. Red McCall is like maybe the Bombay version of that, um, as well as being very funny. The interesting thing about the Red McCall videos is a lot of them are actually shot in the AWOL office in different videos. Because, um, yeah, they needed a sort of a realistic space, so they, they came in and did them. Yeah. Um, you mentioned the diving video, which is what I definitely wanted to talk mm-hmm. about. What was the idea behind... So if, if people haven't seen it, um, the Bombay Bicycle Club on the new album have a track called Diving, and for a promo video, they did a skydive to promote and so what what was the idea behind the band doing a skydive for the purposes of a video that's been a minute or so long <laughs> um i think honestly it goes back it goes back to what i said earlier about the band just really wanting to have fun i think you know like really sort of and sort of showing that to showing that to their audience uh, through kind of what they were doing to kind of engage with the music. I mean, it's it's a little bit of a tenuous connection uh, in terms of it's literally just the name of name of the track. Um, but um, but yeah, it was. I should also give them fair credit. That was their idea. Um, they were like, "What can we do for this?" Um, and yeah, it was a, maybe you could argue that sort of in terms of the length of it, it was maybe a little bit of a pricey one. But um, I think it was a really good piece of content, and it was yeah, it was just really fun. Yeah, I I think that's completely justified when it's like a very effective and it's sort of part part of the video that was on um, Instagram Reels that I saw was um, Jack looking at um, a book that says do something wild in a book of how to go viral on TikTok or something. And it is, yeah. it is and Joe decided it is a very effective strategy because how many, you're not going to see very many pieces of content for a band of someone jumping out of a plane. So it makes it really unique. Yeah, that's absolutely, not to undermine you at all, but weirdly in my career, that is the second band I've had jump out of a plane for the sake of fun. No, I, don't, I don't know what it is. I don't know what's happening. But, uh, well, yeah. you've got a lot of people, so it's still fairly rare. <laughs> but um, yeah, yeah I, I did want to ask in terms of sort of that kind of out there content, like like a skydive. Um, how can smaller artists who might not have the budget for that kind of thing sort of utilize that sort of idea of doing something wild without having the money to do so? Um. I think it's about, well, it's kind of two sides, right? There's sort of the idea and there's the presentation of it, I suppose. Um, and it does a bomb out. Yes, they, yeah, they had, they were able to kind of, um, to, we were able to kind of pull that together uh, quite quickly. But I think it's sort of, that's because it suited the track. And I think it really starts with what it is you're trying to communicate, I guess. Like, um, 
uh, for example, I work with that, the other artists I mentioned earlier, Barming Tiger. They have a series called Tiger Express, which is them performing different tracks uh, in sort of different locations. And one of them is one of them is literally just uh, the song. It's the name of it. It's escaping now. But essentially, the theme of the song, or there's one of the key lyrics in the song, is "Walking your dog in the park." So it's literally uh, one of the rappers performing the song in a park while walking a dog, um, and it's sort of it's sounds very very basic because but because of the way it's presented i suppose because the way it's shot um and so sort of the details in it it's very very engaging uh for the full like 90 seconds that it is um so i guess kind of what i'm trying to say is it doesn't have to be sort of a, i don't think it has to be a wholly unique idea as long as it's done in an interesting way um and i think kind of I would be more concerned when working with a smaller artist where we didn't have a lot of budget that we were aiming too high with an idea and weren't able to execute it properly um, mm. rather than just taking a simple idea and doing a good job of it. Yeah. And so another video that sort of fits into that sort of unique, something you don't see every day on these kind of platforms category is the uh, the videos for I Want to Be Your Only Pet, where um, oh, yeah. seen at the banda being crawled all over by various animals. Where did the idea come for for that one? Um... I am ninety percent sure that was my one, <laughs> actually. Um, and again, it's a, it doesn't look like it doesn't sound like we're trying too hard because the track is called "I Want to Be Your Only Pet." So what are we going to do? We're going to get some pets. Um, and it went through a few different versions. Like at one point, we were going to go to a I think we were going to go to like a dog or a cat sanctuary, um, and we had a few other options. But at the end, it was a case of uh, finding uh, finding a company that supplies pets for for film short shoots. Funny enough. Um, and then, yeah, literally doing it in one of the band members' gardens. We just uh, we just spent, I think it was a, a really enjoyable morning, actually. <laughs> just kind of like working our way through these various pets that, uh, that the, the guys have brought along. It's sort of, it's interesting that you sort of talk about how it's sort of very much tied into the, the title of the song, which is the same, the same with the diving one with the skydive. Do you think that's important in terms of giving an audience sort of that like visual connection to the words of the title in that sense? Um, for what we were kind of what for what we were trying to do, yes, because um, in the back of my mind, cynically, for both of these, I was also thinking about the fact that we would want to use them for ads. Um, and obviously, when you're when you're sort of doing like advertising with content like this, you need it to be a little bit more on the nose um, than it would be otherwise. Um, I think you know on other on other campaigns um, that I've worked on, we have been a bit more subtle. <laughs> Um, yeah, uh, although I actually can't think of an example right now, which is embarrassing. But, um, but yeah, I think, you know, I think as long as it reflects sort of either the, the track title or the, uh, like the themes of the track in some way, or at least it's authentic to the artist, um, I think, I think usually it works. Yeah. Do you, do you think, do you think we'll ever reach a point, this might sound like a weird question, but do you think we'll ever reach a point where in terms of sort of titles and sort of content creation and how important that is for artists? ever reach a point where the content idea comes first and the song comes second or even like the song title comes second and there's like a lyric change to fit a cool idea for a video do you think we'll ever sort of reach that point whereas content first music second um but the funny thing about that is uh on on the shoot for the, the stuff um i remember saying to one of the members of the bombay like you know you can like on the next record you can basically name a track whatever you want and we'll have to do that thing they're <laughs> like interesting i'll bear that in mind um but i 
I think it would depend on the kind of art, to be honest. But I think m- most of the artists that I, I've been lucky enough to 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 work with um, sort of aren't that cynical, I guess. Um, they're sort of you know they're they're creating music primarily because they either they either really want to or, or feel they really need to, um, and they're trying to express something sort of important to them. So it's yeah, I think um, like my my kind of music taste back when I was sort of a much younger man very much drifted into was very much about kind of like sort of pop punk and emo and all that kind of stuff and obviously that, that had a, a a very long period where song titles were absolutely nuts um and bad no relation to the lyrics or the, the themes of the song at all um but um and yeah I think there's sort of been a there's probably been a shift now uh not just through different genres but in general to have like slightly more direct more direct sort of titles for things um partially because of like SEO and searching for stuff on Spotify and all that kind of stuff. I think it's important. Um, but uh, yeah, I guess the short version is like, I hope not, but we'll see. No, it's really interesting. Um, I suppose, yeah, I, I, th- I think, I don't think the song will ever be created for, to fit a content idea in that sense, or at least not a song that's going to be sort of released by a band, but I can definitely see like, you know, like a, a, a changing of a title or a twist in a lyric that just ties it into a piece of visual language that can work so well with different pieces of content. And then that's definitely something that we'll start seeing more and more in the future. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, you reminded me of, I'm going to embarrass myself, I, I can't remember the title of the track, but there was a a track, um, I just can't remember the artist, this is a useless anecdote. Um, I'm going to try I can't remember. Um, but yeah, it basically like the track uh, revolved around the kind of uh, the story of like a sofa. Do you know what I'm talking about? I can't what it's called. It's called something to do with a sofa. Um, it was basically like Hedy Warren or something like that. But I guess that's the point. But essentially, like the track was called Something Sofa. And as a result, all of the all of the content was very easy for them to do, I think, because they just had to get a sofa and do a bunch of stuff around it. Um, and yeah, whether, yeah, with something like that, it does seem. It just seems so perfect and so easy that you do kind of wonder. Um, but no, I think ultimately there are probably just people around it that are very good at their job. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, so in terms of some closing thoughts, just drawing on like your experiences from both like established bands like Bomber Bicycle Club and some of the work you've done with emerging artists, what do you think are the aspects of content strategy and creation that sort of remain universally applicable to all artists? Um. <clears throat> The first thing I think is there's a narrative at the moment that, you know, music is really open, like creating music is really accessible, like you can essentially do all of it yourself in your in your bedroom, all that kind of that kind of narrative. And while that is technically true, I that doesn't mean you have to, I suppose. Like you can leave the bedroom and find other people to collaborate with. And I don't think um I mean I'm sort of on Bobby Vice Club and a lot of the artists that I work, we we have like an actual content person who works with us and works with the band on filming all this stuff. Um and I think it's important to bear in mind, even as a, a as a an emerging artist, a developing artist, that you don't have to do all that yourself. It is it is worth kind of finding collaborators who can kind of help you do the stuff that maybe you don't necessarily want to focus on yourself. Um I think there's also kind of when we talk about content a lot of what you i visualize in my head and i try not to and maybe you do as well um you kind of 
you immediately think of like direct to camera stuff where the artist is talking directly at you and saying things like, Hey guys, I'm releasing a single tomorrow, all that kind of stuff. And I think, um, that kind of, for me, that sort of goes a little bit too far in the direction of telling people rather than showing them, I think. And that sort of, that applies to artists of any level. I think you can't just tell people that you've got music out. You have to kind of show them who you are and what the story is behind it and why they should, why they should care essentially. Um, I think that's, that's kind of an important part of it as well. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't remember who said it now, but there's that marketing principle, isn't there? Of don't give them four, give them two plus two, where you sort of you sort of show them and you give them the ideas of things, but you, you can't. It's I mean, it might work for some artists with certain audiences, but it's it's a lot harder to be like, listen to my single, listen to my single, because you sort of show them why you should and why you should care, and that, that comes into storytelling yeah. as well, which you were touching on earlier. How important is storytelling in short form content? Because I think sometimes it's it's sort of being short form, it's very sort of people focus very much on like the micro side of it, where like each piece of content, what's this? How important is it to like use that to build a bigger story? Um, I think it's I think it's very important to have like um, a kind of consistent. I mean, you were talking about the Sunday sessions, right? That's like a consistent format that works over a period of weeks and months, um, and people kind of know what to expect from them and. A few artists that I've I've kind of seen sort of who have kind of built a fan base on TikTok in particular, they tend to have like their sort of themes in their videos, whether it's like the background behind them or what they're wearing or what they say at the beginning or even just what they're doing. Um, I think that kind of like consistency um, is really important so that if you are, you have to assume that people are going to see ideally you want someone to see more than just one piece of your content and they need to kind of link together they need to make sense in aggregate i suppose um whilst also being standalone i guess it's a little bit this is a terrible metaphor but it's a little bit like an episode of like the x files or something where you've got like the monster of the week thing but it also fits into the overall narrative of the show over an entire season you're kind of like trying to bounce the two um yeah in a tiktok video which yeah was a shit uh metaphor but here we are yeah i like it. <laughs> Um, you, you were touching on sort of the idea of a marketing funnel earlier in terms of, oh, yeah. I think that's, that's sort of a broader term that some artists might not be familiar with. So could you sort of explain what that is and how it works for an artist like Bombay Rascal Club? Yeah, of course. So when you start off an album campaign with, with an artist like Bombay, cause they've been around for a while and you kind of have an, ex- an expectation that you do have, you have super fans, um, who uh, the kind of people who like go to you know they go to every show every tour they they buy everything they own merch all that kind of stuff um and we kind of see them at like the bottom of the funnel because they are like they are super engaged they are yeah they're you know even to the point of like on that campaign we were lucky enough that some of them and this was really great some of them actually started their own discord um to, as like a fan a fan group thing which is really really awesome to see um whereas above that you've got people who might know like like above them in the funnel. I mean, you might have people who like, they know a couple of tracks, like they know Eat Sleep Wake from the last album. They know um, Always Like This or whatever, but they're kind of like, they'd, they're maybe like casual fans. Like maybe they would see them at a festival, but they wouldn't go to an actual show. Mm. So kind of like your, what you want to do is kind of give them reasons to kind of move down this funnel into being like a super fan. And, and sort of the way to do that is through, it's through storytelling. It's through making sure that they their hit sort of at least like we have this idea of that you need to sort of hear about something three times before you really become aware of it 
Um, and that kind of relates to this. But it's sort of like you need to make sure they're seeing enough stuff that they're seeing the world of Bombay Bicycle Club and they've got, they're getting more and more stuff to kind of engage in. Um, and above that, you've got people who maybe just like indie, but have never really bothered with Bombay before. And you're like, well, we know you guys are potential fans. How do we get you into, first of all, this casual, this kind of casual bracket where you're like, you've heard a couple of the tracks of this album. And then from there, over a period of however long it takes, how do we get you to a point where you're actually in part with some money to kind of support the, support the artist? Yeah. So how do you how do you sort of tailor content to those different groups while sort of making something that would apply to all of them at the same time? If that makes sense. Uh, yes, yeah, that's, that's a good question. I mean, the kind of the very typical example, I suppose, would be you've got kind of what we would call like a hero asset, which would be like a music video, let's say, and that's the some that's the thing that you would want to kind of spread most widely because it's sort of the most easily accessible. Um, ideally, it's like super engaging uh, before she was the bubble basketball ones away um, and yeah you kind of use that to to kind of like I guess we'd almost call it like prospects for fans I suppose to try and pick people up who um, and obviously being willing people we can measure this who watch more than 30 seconds of the video essentially um, but yeah which we can kind of measure through ads and all that kind of thing so once you've got this you've got like a group of so that that's like the top of the file right you've got people who you know like similar artists but now now you know they've watched at least 30 to 60 seconds of a bombay bicycle gun video um so you've kind of got them at the very top of your funnel and then you want to think about sort of what the next thing you want them to see is and a few options for that are like you could either show them like bts of the video where the band are a bit more human so it's not just about the performance of the story of the video it's about the band as people so you're trying to get them to be a little bit more invested in in the band as personalities or it could be uh a piece of like you know behind the song like how he made the song or what behind the lyrics kind of thing um that just adds a bit more depth to what the band are trying to communicate um and then sort of down the bottom you've got something so i do that would move them from the top into the middle where they're like okay i like this song i know a little bit more about it i know a little bit more about the band um and then you kind of want to go okay well you like we know you like this song have you let's just ensure that you've also seen this video and this video and you're you're kind of like spreading it out a bit so that they become more and more engaged not just with this one song but with with um yeah but with multiple kind of facets of the campaign and as much as i'm focusing on a lyric uh, a music video that first piece of content it could be it could be a tiktok where the band are doing something totally ridiculous um and then you have to get them on a similar journey where you're like okay we know you like this piece of content from Bombay, but are you aware they're also musicians that listen to their music? And sometimes it works that way around. Less so with Bombay because they're very obviously to musicians, but with some of that, with some artists, you're kind of like the piece of content that happens to kind of go viral or go out a little widest. It might not be music related, in which case you've got those people who you know are aware of the person, but now you need to kind of like make them into a three-dimensional, um, a three-dimensional person they can actually kind of engage with properly. Yeah, I guess it's sort of that, that top layer in terms of getting people in is sort of like, I know what the word maybe just attention in terms of like people seeing yes. it and thinking like this is at the very least like this is interesting at like the very least and then it's sort of about turning that into like people who are going to like actually engage with it and sort of yeah I enjoy this I like this I'm going to listen to this song I'm going to watch a few more of their videos that kind of thing it's yeah, really and um, one more one more question before we leave it um I think yeah. with content strategy a lot of people get frustrated because they sort of put in a lot of effort and a lot of time into sort of making a lot of videos which you seem you have to do because as you were saying about consistency you have to post quite a lot 
and sort of they sort of put in a lot of effort and time and sort of feel like they're not really going anywhere like things are sort of staying fairly stable uh, whatever level that is what would you sort of what advice would you give to those kind of artists that are sort of looking to build and just getting frustrated that they're not really seeing the momentum um so outside of content i think it's important to bear in mind that like whilst whilst kind of we are going through a phase definitely where a platform like tiktok or instagram is driving a lot of music discovery um and is a place where a lot of that kind of stuff is happening it's kind of not the only entry point into a into an artist world and another part you know there's lots of other ways of getting someone to the top of that funnel that we we're talking about right it could be like um through like a live show or like the right support or um or through playlists or through you know sort of any other kind of aspect of, of the music industry really so you're kind of like putting it's important and i appreciate that in a way i'm just saying do more do more and more different kinds of work which is not maybe not the best advice but um yeah i think it's about not necessarily putting all your eggs in one basket in that way but i think and I, but in terms of content itself i think it's worth bearing in mind that like particularly someone in my position when you go you sort of go to like music industry conferences and you have discussions like this or on panels or whatever people are are always talking about the one idea they had that say like quote unquote broke an artist um no one's ever really talking about the hundred things they tried that didn't work yeah. um and equally like when you see when you see something go viral uh on tiktok or instagram whatever like that is that is unusual it's called viral for a reason right and there's a lot to be said for kind of like incremental growth you know because like in whilst so you know having something that gets a lot of views you have to kind of immediately make sure that it's not just like a standalone thing. You have to kind of like, you have to kind of really make sure that you're taking advantage of it. And one of the ways to do that is to have a sort of world built out that people can already build, like get involved in. So if you've got like a profile, which has say one, one video with an insane number of views, and then you're sort of slogging out afterwards. Um, I think it is important to bear in mind that there is a lot to be said for, for incremental growth in that way.